podcast. I'm Greg Checklin and I'll be joined alongside Ewan Chapman. This week we're going to be talking about the highly controversial matchroom boxing card which obviously included Josh Warrington's famous loss and we'll also be looking ahead to the big Josh Kelly fight coming up this weekend. With it being sunny today, I just yeah went for a walk and thought, oh my god, I cannot wait to get back to the pub. Like Jesus, I just I was dreaming of that fresh, cold pint of Carlin, or I don't know, maybe oh, not great. Carlin, but you know, you you just, and a pint of Carlin is on. a famous duo, mate. It really is. <laughs> a little bit of vitamin D on the skin as well. You know, that's not too bad for you. Yeah, I want that nice bronze tan. Um, yeah. But oh come on, you got you got to admit you just miss now going to the pub and oh, oh yeah, mate, the banter, mate. I, I've been banter. missing it the whole time. But I'm quite lucky. I'm quite lucky that we've got a nice little brewery not too far from us up here. So I, I go and buy the kegs, uh, and I sit in my pants in the uh, in the living room <laughs> and I and I drink my kegs. Oh, I guess that's no different then, is it? Really, that's well, oh, yeah, <laughs> got it sorted. When the sun's out, I think you know, and hopefully, I think we'll pretty much sorted by then um and most places are open i think oh yeah i think it'll be a very uh, nice oh indeed a very nice point let's put it that way <laughs> do we need to make plans for the the pub recording session oh god pub podcast oh my goodness pub podcast yeah five points deep and we start <laughs> recording yeah um wow I, i'm not sure that's a brilliant idea but we'll have a think about it well, I'd, I'd be interested to see the results. Um, <laughs> see what yeah. we've come up we, with. We may have to listen back and then decide whether we're going to publish it. Because <laughs> <laughs> we might have to edit some things out, I think. I right, if we, if we get a million views on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, if you want to hear that, if you want to hear that, then just, you know, hit the follow button or whatever. Give us a shout out and uh, we'll let you know. <laughs> Well, where else can we start? But the uh, the shock result, I guess most people will agree that it was it was a shock result. Um, I certainly did, uh, and that's certainly Josh Warrington getting knocked out, actually knocked out by Mauricio Lara. Um, I think straight from the first bell, it was clear that um, Lara wasn't willing to sort of take a step backwards. Um, they sort of met each other in the centre of the ring, you know, traded their best shots and. I think obviously that's Josh Warrington's game plan most of the time. You know, that's how he wins most of his fights. But it wasn't enough this time because Lara basically showed, you know, brilliant durability to take um, some of Josh's best shots. And um, he basically, I think, had the the, the upper hand or the edge in power um, over Josh. And I think that was, you know, one of the most surprising things. Um, and yeah, wow, um, lots, lots to talk about. But um, what was your sort of initial reaction to, to this outcome? 
My, my initial reaction, Greg, is to your wow. I mean, that has got to be the least excited wow I think I've ever heard in my life. Come on, we got to <laughs> we got to ramp up the excitement a little bit here. Uh, wow, there we go. That's the one. Um, wow, wow. Um, yeah, same as you. And unfortunately, you know the predicament I was in on Saturday night. You know, I'd spent all week watching the build up, getting all excited. Uh, and then my girlfriend wants to celebrate Valentine's on Saturday night. Um, so obviously me being the old romantic, yeah, I won't bother watching the boxing. Oh, I'll just catch up on it in the morning. <laughs> yeah, get, a message from, yeah. <laughs> get a message from Greg about 10 telling me what's going on. So I'll leap out of bed <laughs> to turn on the laptop and I'm sat there just in awe, gulping away. Um, turn back over my shoulder, look at my girlfriend's face and just realize that it's probably not the best time for me to be watching it. So unfortunately, I couldn't watch it live. I uh, didn't get that kind of uh, buzz that you'd have been getting, but you know, I watched it in the morning after. Um, and for me, it, yeah, it was, it was a real shock. Um, it, it didn't seem like the Josh Warrington we've got to know over his previous fights. And, you know, the Josh Warrington that's, beaten Lee Salby and the Josh Warrington beat Carl Frampton. That definitely wasn't the Josh Warrington we saw on Saturday night. Um, and, I, and and this is the thing that the, the Lee Salby and the Carl Frampton that Josh Warrington fought on those nights, they'd have both scored Mauricio Lara because realistically he wasn't a top, top level fighter. You look at his game plan, you look yeah, at the way he fights yeah. and, and he wasn't, he wasn't a world beater, was he? And uh, what, where, where did this flat performance come from, from Josh? Was it something in training camp? Was it something without having the fans there? I don't really know, but it was worrying. And I, I just really, I mean, how do we assess where he goes from here, Greg? Well, it certainly looks like an interesting decision to uh, to bin that belt now, doesn't it? Um, obviously, that's something we, we were talking about a couple of weeks ago. Um, a somewhat surprising decision to sort of chase this Ring Magazine belt. Um, and yeah, it's one of them sort of fights which, you know, Eddie Hearn will make and will go, oh, God, you know, another boring sort of total mismatch. Yeah. Um, you know, Warrington will walk through it and Eddie will probably get slated afterwards for making, you know, a really easy fight. And then stuff like this happens and we go, oh, huh. You kind of yeah, love to see that. it, though. You do kind of love yeah, to see yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, look, the thing which obviously we've got to talk about, well, I think we've got to talk about it anyway, is the commentary and the analysis. And um, I think it's gotten to the point now where I'm watching Sky and it's actually detracting from the enjoyment of the fight because I'm watching a fight and I'm literally hearing every single excuse under the sun as to, um, you know, why Josh Warrington might not be at his best right now. Um, you know, essentially discounting or discrediting any of those big shots, which, you know, if you watch that first round, I guess they're sort of, you know, it hasn't quite been revealed yet as to how flat Josh is, is fighting. And he takes some big shots in that first round, which fall on deaf ears because the commentators virtually say nothing about those big scoring shots. Um, and obviously by sort of round two or three, they, they sort of caught an honour to um, how well Lara's fighting um and you know then it's sort of slowly giving him credit and um and yeah i just i found it 
it's just frustrating to watch. I mean, when when you hear someone like Matt Macklin say after he was asked, um, he was asked basically what what score he had for the fight, and he said, "I've not been scoring it." And now, no. to me, that's like that's disrespectful to the guy. Like you basically, you know, sort of sat back in your chair and thought, right, this is going to be like, you know, around three or four uh, knockout for Josh. And, you know, you've not even bothered to give Lara the credit of, you know, scoring this fight. And I think that just sums up the sort of biasness that you're getting when you're watching Sky. And and it's, you know, it's frustrating to watch and it, it does get a bit draining, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, I'm glad you've said it, Greg. And, and I think... It's something that I recently only become so aware of when I'm watching boxing. I think it's something that's heavily influenced by not having fans there and you're not having that crowd noise. And the only thing you get to listen to is Adam Smith and Matthew Macklin just talking absolute rubbish, absolute nonsense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I honestly, I don't know what their intentions are, is it just to always have a bias towards the matchroom fighters and never give credit to uh, away fighters? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's frustrating. It's frustrating. And there was there was about a minute into the first round where Josh Warrington first got hit by Lara and he saw that he realised the shots that he was about to take. He saw that he realised the power that Lara had. And there was there was like no recognition for the fact that, yeah. you know, That's this, exactly what he's a man about, getting yeah. hit. He's a man getting hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And yeah, I, you really have got to think, surely they've got to make it... Uh, more more even but the only thing was i've got to say in in their defense in the kiko martinez alpha barrett fight at least they were they had that as a i was just gonna say yeah i was just gonna say that i'm glad that that happened i'm I'm sure like we'll, we'll come on to that later um obviously it's a massive controversial talking point um but, but yeah, I just uh, I was actually glad to see uh, Lara get the finish in the end because I thought, bloody hell, if this goes to the end, <laughs> you know, after what happened earlier in the night, um, you just can't be sure. You know, I think it's one of them ones where, God, I don't even what, don't know what he'd have to have done to to have won the decision, yeah. and I'm not sure. You know, if they get some of sort of like close rounds after you know in sort of ten, eleven, twelve, and I'm thinking. Oh God, you know, you just don't know with those judges. So yeah. I'm glad he got the finish. Yeah. Um one thing I will say about Josh is bloody hell, like he has got some fight in him. I mean, he was out on his feet, like basically couldn't continue at all. Um uh, I guess I'm gonna ask you your opinion about that in a second, because that was another talking point. Um, but oh my god, did he sort of give it his all and you could tell he does have uh, amazing heart when he fights and I think that's you know credit to him and obviously that's really helped him in, in his career so far but um, I think his body can only take so much on that night and um, and yeah unfortunately because it was allowed to continue possibly um, not you know unfairly so um, it ended in the way it did and, and you know obviously it's quite an uncomfortable thing to watch if you're a Josh Warrington fan. Yeah, and that's the thing. I am a Josh Warrington fan, and part of the reason why I am a fan of his is the way that he's worked himself up. He's not always had these big shows and these big productions behind him. You know, this is a small hall fighter that has literally ground his way to the top, and he cut off Matchroom. He went to Frank Warren. Now he's managed to make his way back to the to like one of the top 
top British fighters in the world. Um, and I think that's why I have that extra respect for him because he's obviously had to work so hard to get to the position that he's in. And that's why I don't think mm. on the night he, he wanted to give that up because, he, you know, it's not like with, say, Anthony Joshua where he's fighting um, Andy Ruiz and he's always kind of had that pedestal. He's always had the glory. So so what's he really got to fight for? Josh Warrington's had to fight for everything the whole way through. Mm. And that's why I think he's that absolute Leeds warrior. Um, and yeah, yeah, top credit to him. But I mean, you know, we have to question. Obviously, as a fighter, you're not gonna, you're not, you know, you go out on your shield, and it's something that so many fighters say. But obviously, it's a fighter's mentality. Mm-hmm. The referee and Sean O'Hagan, his coach and his dad, surely they had an obligation there to save him and and to pull him mm-hmm. out and to stop him from from finishing in that devastating way. Yeah, um, it's a difficult one. I think a lot of people sort of said that they they should have. It's a bit difficult, I guess, because there wasn't a world title on the line. You could say, look, you know, there's not even a title on the line here. Just pull him out, um, which is is a fair argument. But I think ultimately, to me, it lies with the referee because it was it was it was Howard Foster, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. So so for Howard Foster to obviously allow so of course he allowed Warrington to get to his feet but he was clearly not able to support his own weight you know in a in a a stable way and you know a lot of people said and I completely agree with this had that been Lara he would have waved the fight off and again again this comes into the sort of biasness um, that we're going to talk about uh, continue to talk about because we sort of have to talk about it um and I think that's the bit that sort of annoyed me the most because, yeah, I mean, come on. Like, he just wasn't, He, you know, even, I guess, once the round ended, I would have liked, you know, for Howard Foster to, to walk over and, you know, and obviously question whether he, he should be pulled out or, you know, or just something like that. I think he, I think ultimately it, it sort of, the, the book lay with, with him. And I think that's really when he should have stopped the fight because we didn't need to get an ending like that. No, and it's a devastating finish. And I think one of the interesting things that I've seen is Howard Foster and looking at his consistency through fights. And then you look back at Carl Froch versus George Groves one. And when George Groves was hurt slightly, I mean, some people say it's a fair stoppage, but watching it back, was it the right stoppage? And George Groves obviously argues it wasn't. Howard Foster jumps in there straight away. So how can he not have that same consistency for all fights? That's when when then I don't understand it. If he acted the same way in all fights, that's fine. But when he's having inconsistencies, stopping some fights early and letting other fighters just get absolutely pummeled, you really have to question what he's doing there. Yeah, and just going back to your sort of point, you know, talking about the fact that you're a, you're a Josh Warrington fan, um, I I really like Josh as well. I think, you know, he seems like a nice, genuine bloke. I think what it is for me, I think Matchroom, they do this thing where, obviously, of course, they make it all about their fighters. I understand that because, you know, it's their card and they want to talk about, you know, the Matchroom fighters. But they just do this thing where it's almost like psychologically they tell everyone or oh, like this person support this person you need to like this person you need to support this this boxer and then obviously your natural reaction is to go i want them to lose 
And even though I don't mm-hmm. want him to lose, I sort of like the fact that Matchroom just, you know, constantly, they even, um, I don't know if you, you saw this bit, but um, they, they cut to some like some of the Leeds, Leeds United football players to, you know, and they were sending a message for Josh before the fight. <laughs> do I give a, you know, do I care if Patrick Bamford <laughs> wants Josh Warrington to win? Do I care if Luke Ayling thinks, you know, Josh Warrington's the man? No, I don't. I, I, I simply don't. And it just, it feels like complete propaganda. And even though I actually like Josh as a person, I just sit there thinking, oh, I just want a matchroom fighter to lose because it's yeah. like goes against the script and it goes against what you're being told. And, you know, it's being shoved down your throat to to have to like Josh Warrington, you know? And so yeah. it's weird. It's a, it's a weird, sort of a weird thing, you know? And, and um, I think in the same way, it's why a lot of people sort of support fighters like Tyson Fury because it's like you're not meant to like him because, he, you know, he doesn't do things by the book and he doesn't quite say things how he's supposed to be he's not doesn't stick to the script yeah he doesn't stick to the script he's not a matchroom robot and i think that sort of person is is easier to root for but yeah it's yeah i don't know if it's a sort of a a bias of mine against matchroom but that's just the sort of sensation i get and i have this weird uh desire for for matchroom fighters to lose no, I actually think that's a really interesting point, Greg, because it wasn't something I'd even considered before. But, you know, we do love that, That especially in Britain, we love the underdog and we love to root for them. And I, I think that was a thing when Josh Warrington was fighting uh, at Queensbury under Frank Warren. And he's going in against Lee Selby, he's going in against Carl Frampton. It was very exactly. 50-50 in all the build-ups. And, and that's why, and I mean, well, like in the Lee Salby fight, Josh Warrington was a massive underdog. And I think that's where a lot of people really rallied behind him when he got that win. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's actually a really good point, Greg. You know, oh, thank you. you've got some um, good little analysis there. <laughs> Shall we have a kiss? Oh, uh, yeah, that's very in the spirit of Valentine's, but thank you. Um <laughs> Actually, that's a pretty good point you made as well, mate. Oh, God, we're getting along really well, Stop it, yeah. Um, Because you you sort of talked earlier about, uh, you know, thinking about why Warrington might have lost his fight. Do you think the fact that he he was a massive favourite for sort of the first time in a very long time had something to do with it? You know, like, do you think he's used to being the underdog and and not used to being, like, the star of the show? Or, or, you know, what what do you see in that? Well, I don't know. I think... We we I can't remember the the guy that he fought in Leeds now, um, um, but he, he he obviously was a massive underdog in in his last uh, massive um, favorite in his last fight. Sorry, and um, he he came through that. I mean, it was wasn't the most pretty stuff, and also against Kid Hall- Kid, Kid Galahad, massive favorite, but not pretty performance. I, I for me, oh, I I'd say think, I I think I think he lost that fight. By the way, I actually do. I mean, I. Yeah, I think it was a right, very, right. We don't need to get on that close. now, Greg. We don't need to get on that now. We won't, but I'm just, I'll, just I'll, I'll rewatch it. I'd say I just, I, it's it's similar to what we're coming on to later with Kiko Martinez versus Alpha Barrett. I'm kind of happy with it going either way as long as it's mm-hmm. close. Um, yeah. I think Josh Warrington's struggling, in my opinion, he's used to ha- selling out to all his Leeds fans, being at home, having everyone there with him. When when would the last time he'd have fought in front of fifty officials have been like that? That I mean, as a mm. pro, I'm, I'm I'm sure he's not had that. So surely that must be the the biggest influence on his performance, unless there's something in training camp we don't know about. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. Um, but I guess yeah, I guess well, the next question is what next? I mean, I guess they'll sort of sort the rematch out. Um, 
I guess they must do. I think they, I think I remember reading that Eddie had a rematch clause or something. I don't know. They always seem to have a rematch clause when it's a fight like this, where they think, you know, just in case, yeah. Um, I mean, do you see him winning the, the rematch if there is one? Yeah, Greg, Greg, it's it's not the Josh Warrington that we've known from previous performances. So I think it's it's hard to say. I think one of the main questions has to be, is Sean O'Hagan, his dad, the right coach for him? Um, we've seen in that fight that um, there's at times he's not giving him the right kind of feedback. He's, he's not actually helping him to, to, to win that fight. I mean, I mean, obviously it's hard because he's hurt. How much can you do? But I mean, the, the whole time they were talking um, about what they've been doing in training camp and saying about how they've been working on his footwork. Um, and I just didn't, that for me, that didn't come across in the fight. His, his footwork was still so sloppy at times and I mean when he was about a, a meter out of range saw, saw that his his back leg would like swing around and and it's not it's not good enough and you know having that high guard um having bad footwork at, at, at an elite level um it's not good enough to be able to to operate among those kind of guys so so for me does he have to go to a new coach yeah, I guess the biggest question is whether he can sort of change his style that he's so used to, you know, in, in such a short space of time. Um, but I don't really see that he has any other option, um, to be honest with you, um, because, yeah, he, he just can't go into a rematch fight in that same style, in my opinion. Um, but, yeah, look, I'll wish him the best of luck. And, you know, I guess I will be sort of rooting for him, no matter how much... Uh, sort of match room tell me to support him or whether they don't or whatever I do want him to win um, and uh, yeah I just sort of hope that he gets another big fight after he wins this rematch and, and sort of you know puts this down as a bad night and he can sort of move on with the rest of his career Zelfa Barrett versus Kiko Martinez wow um, I didn't actually watch this fight live. I think I watched it back the next day, obviously knowing what happened. And I don't know if that sort of skewed my judgment a little bit. Probably did. But um, I tried to watch it with as little biasness as possible. And I scored it, I think, what, 115 to 113 to Martinez, I believe. Um so yeah, I I basically scored it seven five to to Martinez and and um, was just pretty shocked by uh, by the judging because I think as Eddie rightly said it's a it's a joke and again it comes back to this well there's one thing is biasness and the other thing is corruption and obviously once you get scorecards like that it sounds a little bit more like latter so that's um, not something we want to see and certainly something which um, you know pushes a lot of people away from wanting to watch boxing um, and I think Eddie is is obviously right in calling it out. Um, how did you score this fight? Oh well I'm the same as you Greg obviously with the predicament I was in I had to watch it back the day after um, obviously hearing all the controversies um, for me it was a kind of fight where I, I personally had it a draw, but there, there was enough like 
in-betweeny rounds where you could have scored it either way, that if it had been one point to Martinez, I'd have been happy. If it had been one point to Barrett, I'd have been happy. Because um, it was just one of those fights. I think there was, for me, there was four clear rounds for Martinez and four clear rounds for Zalfa. And then the, the rest were all kind of pick and choose and, and depending on what style you liked. Um, but, but the scorecards that we got were disgusting. And it really does make a mockery of the sport when you see scorecards that wide. Uh, and it really, really have to question if everyone else in the room and straight after the fight, they cut to Dave Coldwell, they cut to Eddie Hearn, they, uh, they're all saying, no, no, that was a close, really close fight. You're lucky you got that. And they're, they're saying that to Zalfa. So how, how can, can two, two judges, well, in fact, three judges, but two judges see it so completely differently? Is that mm. corruption? What is the issue there, Greg? Help me see this. Well, I think first of all, I obviously commend Eddie for coming out. You know, and in, in an incredibly awkward situation for him to have to stand there and say that in front of Zelfa, you know, who is his fighter, and have to to sort of say, well, that was you know a joke and it was it was a farce or whatever. Um, and I, you know, like I said, I commend that, but it's not enough. You know, I don't, it's too late after the fight. What they're going to do after the fight, you know, you can't go back and change the scorecards and, you know, sort of criticizing the judging or the refereeing only gets you so far um, until these sort of referees or judges are held accountable, um, you know, where it has some effect on their job security or, you know, I just, I don't really get it, you know, in, in any of the sort of, in any other sort of line of work, if you were to make an error as big as that, you would be in serious danger of losing your job. Um, and, you know, if if someone like me, who, you know, is, you know, obviously not a, a, an expert judge in boxing, can score that fight fairly accurately according to the masses, why can't those judges, you know, who, professional judges do it? Um, at least, you know, I think at least, at least like an explanation, you know, yeah. maybe there's certain things that they look for, um, which is different to, to the things that we look for in a fight. Um, but I'd at least like to hear what that is. And then we can sort of maybe try and understand what it is that they're seeing that we're not. But yeah, like I said, I think ultimately the only way we make any sort of progression is to, um, get new judges really <laughs> i don't really see any other way um you know i don't see how you could then employ um those same judges for a, another fight coming up and know that they won't make another mistake like that because you don't yeah um so yeah i think that's the only real solution uh, and the thing is we're seeing the same judges week in week out every single show they're rolled out the exact you know the the usual suspects to ev to to each show uh, and we see these kind of scorecards so often um th then there does need to be some kind of appraisal some kind of review for these kind of decisions because i mean watching the fight back and i'm sure you saw the same as me it, it is two completely different styles it's a man that's standing back and uh trying to ride shots and fire back. And then you've got Kiko Martinez, who's obviously just pushing the pace, pushing forward. And I think I can understand it when people say, oh, well, a lot of the shots were blocked. But when he's throwing so many more, he's pushing the pace. He's always, always pushing Zalfa onto, onto the back foot. 
whether he's he's landing, you know, say twenty percent of his shots, he's working so much harder. And and Zalfour for me wasn't doing enough in that fight. And you you can't just say, oh well, it's, it's what whatever kind of style you like, because. Even if even if you're a, a counter punchy, you need to have more success than than having there. And and I think it was clear as well because you see um, Pat Barrett, who's um, Zalfa's uncle and trainer, going into that final round. He he, he said to to Zalfa, "You need some. You need to pull out something big here. You need to do something big." So obviously, even to them, they knew that they were behind. Go, well, or, or at least very close going into that final round. So, I mean, it's, it's just reiterating exactly the same words. And I don't know, I'm sure that if we we, we watch 100 British shows, we're going to say and see exactly the same thing over and over again. And, and at what point do they actually change? I, I just really worry that this is going to affect the reputation of British boxing because I know for me, and I'm sure for you as well, Greg, that we love watching uh, British fights where you know people are travelling over to come and fight our fighters. And if we mm-hmm. lose that, then that would be a massive loss for our sport. And, and mm-hmm. I don't want to have to watch you know at three in the morning and a. a an English fight, kind of like a half-known American in America. I want to see them fight in Britain, and I hope that we don't lose that appeal uh, as a result. Yep, look, I completely agree. And um, I thought it was really commendable how Kiko took the the well, the, the loss or the, the scorecard or his reaction to the score was uh, was really commendable. Um, well, he's I a road sort warrior, of, Greg. He is, he is. And I think it was really sort of nice to see that, you know, he was still gracious, even though you know, obviously I was watching this back thinking, oh God, is he going to sort of kick off? Is this going to get like really sort of ugly or <laughs> you just don't know, do you? But he was a true professional in the way he handled that. Um, and yeah, I'm sure they'll get the rematch on. So, I mean, aside from that, aside from the scoring, I thought it was a, it was a fun, entertaining fight to watch, really. Um, and I just wish the the scorecards would have reflected that. Um, but I, I certainly would be very interested to watch um, the rematch and certainly take note of uh, who's going to be scoring it and and what those scorecards are at the end of the fight. Because um, you know, I, I can't really see it being you know a one sided fight for either fighter uh, in the rematch. I think it'll be super close again and we can only hope that the scorecards reflect that yeah i think the judges will be shaking on the next fight because uh if (laughs) if they score it badly they're they're gonna know about it they're gonna know about it oh yeah oh yeah and and you know what i actually wish there was a crowd there because i think even the crowd would have started doing that yeah um so yeah maybe they feel sort of less accountable when there's no one there who knows? Who knows, Greg? What the hell goes on in the mind of these judges? <laughs> I don't know. Not a lot, obviously. Last thing I want to talk about is the uh, Josh Kelly fight, which is coming up this weekend versus Avanesian. Um, Josh Kelly is sort of touted by Adam Booth to be this sort of, well, the next best thing, really. Um, we haven't really seen that yet. And he's sort of, you know, done that classic 
thing where you're sort of destroying the uh, the journeymen at the lower end, and and then you you come into contact with you know more genuine fighters who actually want to win, um, uh, or putting up some fight, and uh, he struggled a lot more. Um, I, I sort of don't doubt his his skills, but I don't I don't know. I think really you just don't know what you're going to get with him. To be honest, um, if we do see you know, the best Josh Kelly, then, you know, I have no doubt that he'll win, to be honest. Um, but I don't know if we're going to get that. And yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's the kind of guy who needs a little bit of competition to, to sort of, you know, he needs, he needs a big fight to sort of perform at his best. Um, but we'll see. We'll see. No, and that's the thing, Josh, Josh, We've been told so many times about the level of talent that he's got. Um, and I, I I, mean, we've seen glimpses of it. And, you know, we've been told, uh, I think it was Michael, um, Michael Conlon was saying that in the gym, uh, and obviously Michael Conlon is a man that's been around the block and seeing so many different fighters saying that in the gym, Josh Kelly does things he's not seen anywhere. And, you know, that that's got to be, some kind of uh, meter stick to judging by because you know to, to to be at that level with top fighters and for them to all have this resounding opinion of him, you've got to imagine that it must be right. But I don't think we've seen it yet. And when we saw him fight in New York on the undercard of uh, Joshua versus Ruiz, one he fought against um, Ray Robinson, and it was just such a flat performance um we saw that early on he, he, he stuck to his flashy um staying out of range um just quick counter punches and when he when he realizes that he, he's not just going to get the opponent out of there you see that he really starts to fade he really starts to struggle and ray robinson who watching that fight really wasn't the best technician that there, there was a lot of flaws in his game he really started to out hustle josh kelly and i think that's why for me david avanesian is a really bad fight for josh kelly at the minute because i don't feel like we've seen him fight against top level fighters and perform really really well um whereas david avanesian is a man that's been around the block you know he fought sugar shane mosley obviously when sugar shane was like i think 43 or 44 so it's not a a, a great sugar shane but he's still a sugar shane mosley and beat him you know he's fought for world titles um Granted, against Lamont Peterson, it wasn't a great performance. But, you know, he's, he's been around the block. He's, he's won European titles. He's been in uh, international fights. And he's clearly a very, very hard hitter and a hard guy to keep away from you. And I think this the, the Josh Kelly is going to struggle with him. And I really think that David will, will put the pe- pressure on, push Josh Kelly back. And I really worry that when Josh Kelly isn't having it all one way, will we start to, to see him crumble? And will it be another case of a gym fighter, in inverted commas there for you, Greg, um, where mm. you hear so much about them in the gym, but can mm. they perform under the lights? And I, uh, I was reminded of one, Frankie Gavin, you know, the only uh, amateur world champion that, that uh, England's ever had. Um, 
you're touted for amazing things. One of the you know great boxes you'll see in in the gym, but you couldn't perform at world level. Mm-hmm. And I just have an inkling, and and I don't know. Hopefully, I'm wrong. Hopefully, Josh Kelly proved me to be wrong. But judging from that performance he had against Rob, Ray Robinson. there's just an inkling there that he can't quite do it on a cold, Mm. rainy night in Stoke. Um, (laughs) But but we'll see, Greg. But we'll see. And and the the other worry for me now going into this fight is David Avenesian is going to apply pressure and he's going to hit him hard. Mm. And it could be a clash of styles similar to Martinez versus Zalfa Barrett. Mm Mm-hmm. Will David Avenician get the decision? And will we be in the same position next week screaming about results? Mm. I think, uh, actually, when you started talking about gym boxers or gym fighters, you know, those guys who look amazing in the gym and look really flashy, the first person that came to my mind was uh, Chris Eubank Jr. And you sort of like, it sort of reminds me, you know, when you sort of watch footage of him, uh, you know, hitting shots and... um, and just yeah, hitting hitting a heavy bag, and you're like, whoa! Look at that power! Look at that speed! You know, look at that movement. He looks quick. He looks in great shape. You know, and I'm sure you've seen that picture of Josh Kelly uh, floating around social media, where he just looks absolutely ripped, like he's, he's in great shape. Um, but you know, put someone in there like George Groves, who knows how to jab and just does the basics right, and is a a tough, you know, seasoned pro. Um, and he just comes unstuck, and it, I think, guess in that sort of sense, it does remind me um, of, of him in, in general. But yeah, look, I mean, what, who else would you match him with right now? I mean, surely he's got to be fighting a guy like Dave Evanesian to, to sort of start proving himself that he is you know, at world level. Because you know, I don't think he can really afford too many more sort of backward steps in terms of levels of competition. Um, you know, if he is that good, well, you know, it's time to see it now. So. Um, uh, yeah, I understand your point, but it's sort of like, well, who else would he be fighting right now? Is my Greg, only the question. Greg, you're forgetting he's only he's only had eleven fights. I mean, it's not like this is a man twenty twenty five fights deep in his career. It's eleven fights. I don't get the the why was there in this initial rush anyway? It's not like he's in his thirties. I mean, I think he's only twenty five, twenty six at the minute. Yeah, but I I don't see the rush. There's still good welterweights, you know, domestically, and you know, the obvious one that comes to mind is Conor Ben. Mm-hmm. Well, Surely yeah, those kind of be, fights yeah. might have been a bit better to 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 match him against the domestic scene, see how he does. Um, but but I don't know. For me, David Avenesian is you know fringe world level, a difficult guy to fight. Come in with that Russian style, um, and I don't know. I think this could really, the, I, as, you know, obviously I still want the British fighter to win, but I think this could be a, a really difficult fight for Josh. Yeah. And, oh, well, and I, I think there there would have been easier matches to make, no, which I, could have built him up just as much. I agree with you, but I don't actually think that someone like I mean taking Conor Ben specifically would be an easier fight. I mean, he looks like he's in great form right now. Um, and he, I would certainly describe Conor Ben as, as fringe world level. Um, so uh, yeah, but I, I mean, I'd obviously love to see that fight, but I don't think that's necessarily any easier for him. Um, maybe this sort of style matchup is a bit more in, in Kelly's favor, but I think in terms of the standard that Conor Ben's putting out right now, um, I think that's equally as tricky. And, um, unfortunately, I think it's just a, a very tough, very stacked division where, you know, there aren't really many easy fights, um, you know, at or around that sort of level. Yeah, well, I think I think it's just from a, a, a classic perspective is you, you want to see your 
them conquer the domestic scene before they go on to, yeah, to no, fight the world point. level. And I think it's, it's a typical thing we'd have seen before. And, you know, there's still so many guys floating around um, that that domestic level that you, you let's, let's clean them up. Let's see who is the best out of that bunch. And, you know, I'm, I don't know if, if, if um, Josh Kelly will actually come back and do that after. Um, but I, for me, that would have been the, the, the more obvious route. Yeah, no, well, look, I, I completely see what, what you're saying. Um, but look, you know, we often criticize fighters for taking easy fights. This definitely isn't one of them. So um, good luck to him. And uh, yeah, generally hoping wins and sort of proves himself. Um, but I'll certainly be watching because, yeah, of course, who doesn't want to see um, some of the like more of these sort of close matchups in boxing? It's, it's something which the sport is often criticized of. And um, I'm, I'm all here for it, to be honest. Oh, that is great news to hear, Greg. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> Thanks for that, mate. Completely threw me into the bus there. Um, okay, so that's probably where we'll leave it for today. Um, thank you for listening. And uh, yeah, obviously, if you haven't already, give us a, a good review on iTunes and uh, iTunes, Apple Podcasts. That's what I meant. Uh, give us a follow on Spotify. And um, yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you very much for listening to the Left Up Larry podcast. We'll be trying to put the podcast out every single week. I hope you have a great day.